All right. Well, this is going to be, this is called the most dangerous disconnect. Financial markets versus real economy. This is an interview on Rich Dad Radio. Robert Kiyosaki, he's the international bestseller of the number one best-selling financial book of all times called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And on his Rich Dad radio show, he discusses with Naomi Prince about the Federal Reserve Bank and just basically um, how they've been colluding or conspiring to take your money basically, because people don't understand uh, how money works, that money is fake, and it's a fiat currency, that you actually see money with more than just your eyes. Money is something that you perceive with your mind, and it's something deeper than what you're just simply looking at with your eyes. It's a deeper subject and that you can learn to see money with more than your eyes. So this is going to be that interview with Naomi Prince. Um, Okay. And again, what is discussed here? So it's not financial advice. Um, What does it mean? But uh, here we go. Let's see what Naomi Prince has to say about it. You learn for yourself. Here it goes. KPMG is people who make the difference for their clients with talented teams leveraging the right technology to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity. KPMG advisors embed themselves in their clients' business, working together as true team members to help grow and transform. For a chance to win an additional $1,000. We don't need the commercials. Uh, we have a very special guest, longtime friend. Her name is Nomi Prince. I read her book, uh, Collusion, How Central Banks Rigged the World. And no mess, I said last time I was up in Alaska chasing brown bears and reading your book. Uh, you know, kind of hope the brown bear would win at times. But anyway, and we're here, we're talking, uh, your favorite subject, and it's the Federal Reserve Bank. Any comments, Kim? Well, Nomi, so great to have you on the show. Love, love always catching up with you, and, and you're so on top of things. And I love that you've got your new book out, and the new book is called Permanent Distortion. Um, how financial markets abandoned the real economy forever. So the real economy and the financial markets are totally unaligned. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit, but uh, let's just get right into it because there's so much to discuss. If I could make a comment before Nomi comes on, because being a former U.S. Marine, I, I got to say it, you know. Um, <clears throat> we have, Today we have President Biden, we have Vice President, what's her name? And uh, we have Jerome Powell as Fed chairman and Yellen as secretary of treasury. I mean, 
they're the Adams family. I mean, you know, we have well, Kamala Harris, what a cartoon she is. Oh, my God. And they're leading the most, uh, reportedly, the most powerful nation in world history. And everybody says, don't fight the Fed. This is a Marine would say, we got to do something outside of them. And that's what I want to talk to Nami about is if you're counting on the Fed to save our butts, I think we're in trouble. So welcome to the show, Nami. <laughs> Thanks, Brady. <laughs> I'm going to have no, thank you so much, Robert and Kim. It is always such a pleasure to be on your show and to yeah. talk to your, your audiences because they are they're just outstanding, just, you know, really amazing. Um, and, and want information, and that, that that's just really important with all of the noise um, that's out there today. Um, in, in the- and I loved your book, Collusion, and now you have a new book called Permanent Distortion. I mean, can the word, are you saying it's getting worse? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, when I wrote Collusion, I was talking about how the Fed and other central banks had gone off the rails in terms of creating money, right, buying debt, all the things don't actually move an economy forward, just sort of, you know, jigger things about on the surface um, and, and just push crises further and further ahead. Um, and sure enough, since the pandemic, which was another crisis, we've had the Fed, you know, jump in, cut rates, then they raised rates, now they're pausing rates. Um, and, and all of this is in the name of supposedly fighting price inflation, which is, um, you know, mostly supply and demand driven and, and also, uh, you know, a factor of growth. Um, they don't understand economics. I, I, I continue to say it doesn't matter whether it was Janet Yellen running the Fed and now she's running the Treasury Department, which is, you know, almost basically like why even bother leaving the Fed? You're, you're, con- you're on the other side of the debt uh, equation, but but still connected. Um, and, and Powell running it. And, and, and last uh, FOMC meeting announcement when they paused rates, um, instead of being definitive about it like like we paused we're at a place we're just gonna see what the economy is doing going forward it was more like inflation is not where we wanted housing prices you know are kind of down consumer debt's kind of up banks are resilient which of course we know they're not um and power is just all over the place and, and this is why permanent distortion um is permanent it's this idea that the, that the central banks that have the authority i don't want to say capability i want to say authority the power um to set the cost of money are are completely oblivious um to how that impacts the economy or the relationship actually between uh the economy and money and and that's that's yeah how many phd economists are at the fed i think i heard 400 to 4,000 or something i mean how can they be so screwed i'll tell you a story real quick robert because because you know i travel around the the world um as i did Collusion. Well, I traveled around the United States um, over the last many months, and I went to all 12 of the Federal Reserves, okay? So it's, it's not just through those. Wow. Wow. I know, I know. And let me say, just, just to summarize, that some of these buildings, you know, we're talking about Kansas City, we're talking about Dallas, we're talking about Boston, Philadelphia, Cleveland. There are these mammoth old buildings with, like, nothing going on inside of them. You know, it's, it's phenomenal. You don't... Just the fact that we're paying for, and they're lovely buildings, but, you know, they could certainly be converted to something else probably more useful, um, hint. But but in the meantime, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people not doing a lot um, besides processing, as, as far as I could tell, going around the country. Again, gorgeous buildings, but just, just not a lot going on inside. But you're also saying that they have no idea what they're doing. We're trying to navigate through all of this inflation and rates and all of this, and they have no idea what they're doing. They're in charge. That's exactly right. They don't understand how their rate hikes have hurt the banking system, have hurt the lending system, have hurt the good debt that comes to the economy. They have no idea. They didn't even mention it. Powell did not mention 
um, anything about the banking system beyond saying, which Janet Yellen has also said repeatedly, that the banking system is sound and resilient. Well, we've had uh, several major banks fail. You're not J.P. Morgan Chase, but United Silicon Valley, First Republic, was taken over by J.P. Morgan Chase. There are there was a report out with 722 weak banks that the Fed put out as they were raising rates that they completely ignored. Their, their own analysis in one of their many buildings said that all these banks could potentially face tremendous problems, even potentially fail, and they just ignored that in their policies. Okay, so, so no, I loved your book, your first book, Collusion. I don't know if it's your first book. I loved it, though, because you. you did travel the world to do your uh, hands-on research. What is the what is your position in this new book called Permanent Distortion? Does that mean we're fucked? <laughs> well, it means if we trust in the Fed, yes. It means if we trust in the accumulation of debt by our government and other governments, yes. But what it, what it also means is that we need to, more than ever, um, and this is a you know, the permanent distortion is between the markets and, and sort of that mechanism and the real economy, which are physical things, physical buildings, physical manifestations of, of materials, um, of energy, of things that we actually use and need that grow our economy, um, that we need to focus on on those. Because if we just focus on trying to time the Fed, trying to figure out what the Fed's going to do, trying to figure out if they're confident, which they're not, it, it's just it's just not, it's a very weak position. So we need to pivot. What did these guys do to completely screw up the most powerful bank ever in world history? What did, what did these cartoons do to screw it up? Well, they, they went on, you know, this goes back to the financial crisis of 2008 in different ways, but they basically decided that they could create money, uh, print money out of nowhere um, to, to basically improve whatever it was they thought was a problem. And that includes the record debt that has only increased. Like when, we, when I say record debt, right, we know that this debt has only been going higher and higher and higher. So it's right. always at a new record. I mean, it's, it's not going in the other direction. But what they did was they printed more and more money, which inflated um, this, this ability for the government then to create more debt. Because why? Fed's printing money. Fed's going to buy the debt. So the government's going to create more debt. So they don't have to take the responsibility of actually dealing with the real economy. They can just kind of keep pushing and pushing and pushing it into the future and put that debt on future generations and kind of, you know, sort of fog over this idea that we actually can control our own, you know, touches into the economy by buying real estate, by buying hard assets, by actually using um, debt to our advantage rather than what the government does, which is kind of use it to just um, fog over, again, that's lack of policy. So, so in permanent distortion, you're saying that there is absolutely no relationship between the financial markets and the real economy. That's right, because the real economy, as defined by, by tangible assets, by, by physical things, that, that what the markets do is they suck in cheap money, and then they trade off when that money gets a little bit more expensive, and then they suck it in again. There are trading strategies to be had on that, but the reality is that does not connect into the real economy, which are real companies, real homes, real, you know, whether it's commercial real estate or what have you, that actually are part of improving um, where we're at from you can use it perspective. And, and that's where that disconnect is between like physical things. Right. For years, you know, we had Rich that been saying buy gold, silver, we have cattle, we have hot, we have oil. I don't have oil. I don't have oil stocks, I have oil. Right. And things like that. But things that the Fed cannot print, that's been our yes. philosophy. Yes, unprintable and unprogrammable assets, no digital dollar, 
no, you know, money printing into nowhere, but absolutely physical, tangible assets that you can touch, you can feel, you can use. That, that's, that's where we need to be. You know, guys, let me ask this question, because Jim Records, you know, is a good friend of ours, and he's always talking about Executive Order 14067, which is the Fed coin coming out. And he says, we're going to lose our freedom and all this. And for you, from your lofty perch on this whole system, what would happen if a Fed, you know, basically a Fed Bitcoin comes out? So I, I think it's a, a it's a horrendous idea. And, and when I was talking about, you know, visiting all these feds, the last fed um, that I actually visited was in Minneapolis. And actually, the guy who runs that fed, Neil Kashkari, who used to be at Goldman Sachs um, when I was there, we overlapped a teeny bit. But, but he basically is the only fed leader who's like, we don't need a CBDC. We don't need a fed coin. We don't need um, wow. any of that. But, but, but he's being ignored, right, by the rest of the fed. And my, my, my feeling on all of this is that, any programmable currency, which a Fed coin would be, right? It, it is basically a nugget of information that travels with you everywhere once you use it. So once it exists, any transaction that you use, any tra anything that you do between individuals, uh, companies, investments, whatever it is, it continues to track. Not that isolated one time. You get an accumulation of, of, of a block of data, right? It's going to use that technology of blockchain following you everywhere, which means that your privacy on all of your financial transactions, not just one of them, right, but all of them forever um, are completely visible. And the Fed's going to, the Fed said, actually, oh, no, we, we're, we're, we, we, we care about privacy. It's, it, it's, if that happens, you know, no big deal. But, but it, no one believes that. No one trusts that. I don't trust that. I don't trust that um, if all of the information is, is, is there and it's accumulating every second of every bit of our financial lives, that it can't be utilized. Um, just like the Fed can create money, the Fed can take away money. But once it's connected to our bank accounts through a digital coin, through a central bank digital coin, a CBDC version of the dollar, um, then all of that barrier that we even built up um, between our money and the Federal Reserve and therefore the government is is, is basically gone. But, but no, maybe we're talking about earlier before we got on. The real problem is the accumulation of national debt. I mean, in my opinion, we're one of the biggest debtor nations in world history. You know, they just removed the debt ceiling, but went unlimited. We have QE, unlimited. So yep. the real problem is our national debt. We spend more than we make. And I mean, that's simply in simple terms. Would a Fed coin solve that problem? No, it would make the problem. What the hell? Oh, you got to be kidding me. All right. Why would it do that? Hold on just a second. <sighs> what just happened? Where are they at in this, this talk? All right, a little technical difficulty here. What is going on? The Bluetooth is not on. Why is this happening right now? All right. Got to figure it out. What is happening? Doesn't make any sense. I love the righteous indignation in their voices.
<laughs> it came screaming through in a beautiful way. Yeah, um, this is probably one of the best interviews I've heard. Like, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff, which is mainly, like, some of it was, like, promotion for, like, upcoming events and stuff that he has, and um, other things, of course. But this interview and, and one of the other ones he had was just pretty straight up, um, and um, other things, of course. But this interview and, and one of the other ones he had was just pretty straight up. Um, and in the, the book, it's even more so. The book is just really irreverent. Let me see if I can actually pull it up here, the Communist Manifesto, because it is so far the hardest hitting one out of the books that I have. And let me see. Now it's yeah, finally you know that. Right. So it finally just started to play. I don't know what that was about. It just froze. Mm. All right, well, I'll continue with this um, interview. Yeah, it's off. It's awesome. I'll, yeah, I'll um, go back to the book later. When I wrote Collusion, I was talking about how the Fed and other central banks had gone off the rails in terms of creating money, right? Buying debt, all the things that don't actually move an economy forward, just sort of, you know, jigger things about on the surface um, and, and just push crises further and further ahead. Um, and sure enough, since the pandemic, which was another crisis, we've had the Fed, you know, jump in, cut rates, then they raise rates, now they're pausing rates. Um, and, and all of this is in the name of supposedly fighting price inflation, which is... Um, you know, mostly supply and demand driven and, and also, uh, you know, a factor of growth. Um, they don't understand economics. I, I, I continue to say it doesn't matter whether it was Janet Yellen running the Fed and now she's running the Treasury Department, which is, you know, almost basically like why even bother leaving the Fed? You're, you're, con you're on the other side of the debt uh, equation, but but still connected. Um, and, and how running it. And, and, and last uh, FOMC meeting announcement when they paused rates, um, instead of being definitive about it like like we pause we're in place we're just gonna see what the economy is doing going forward it was more like well, inflation is not where we want it housing prices you know are kind of down consumer debt's kind of up banks are resilient which of course we know they're not um and power's just all over the place and, and this is why permanent distortion um is permanent it's this idea that the, that the central banks that have the authority i don't want to say capability i want to say authority the power um, to set the cost of money are, are completely oblivious um, to how that impacts the economy or the relationship actually between uh, the economy and money. And, and that's, that's what we have to say. How many PhD economists are at the Fed? I think I heard 400 to 4,000 or something. I mean, how can they I'll tell you a story real quick, Robert, because you know I travel around the, the world, um, as I did with Collusion. Right. I traveled around the United States um, over the last many months, and I went to all 12 of the Federal Reserves, okay? So it's, it's not just the... Wow. wow. I know, I know. And let me say, just, just to summarize, that some of these buildings, you know, we're talking about Kansas City, we're talking about Dallas, we're talking about Boston, Philadelphia, Cleveland... There are these mammoth old buildings with, like, nothing going on inside of them. You know, it's, it's phenomenal. You don't, 
just the fact that we're paying for, and they're lovely buildings, but, you know, they could certainly be converted to something else probably more useful, um, hint. But, but in the meantime, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people not doing a lot um, besides processing, as, as far as I could tell, going around the country. Again, gorgeous buildings, but just, just not a lot going on inside. But you're also saying that they have no idea what they're doing. We're trying to navigate through all of this inflation and rates and all of this, and they have no idea what they're doing. They're in charge. That's exactly right. They don't understand how their rate hikes have hurt the banking system, have hurt the lending system, have hurt the good debt economy. They have no idea. They didn't even mention, Powell did not mention um, anything about the banking system beyond saying, which Janet Yellen has also said repeatedly, that the banking system is sound and resilient. Well, we've had uh, several major banks fail, you know, not J.P. Morgan Chase, but United Silicon Valley, First Republic was taken over by J.P. Morgan Chase. There are There was a report out with 722 weak banks that the Fed put out as they were raising rates that they completely ignored. Their, their own analysis in one of their many buildings said that all these banks could potentially face tremendous problems, even potentially fail, and they just ignored that in their policies. Okay, so, so I, mean, I loved your book, your first book, Collusion. I don't know if it was your first book. I loved it, though, because you. you did travel the world to do your uh, hands-on research. What is the... What is your position in this new book called Permanent Distortion? Does that mean we're fucked? <laughs> well, I'm already there. <laughs> well, it means if we trust in the Fed, yes. It means if we trust in the accumulation of debt by our government and other governments, yes. But what it, what it also means is that we need to, more than ever, um, and this is that you know, the current distortion is between the markets and, and sort of that mechanism and the real economy, which are physical things, physical buildings, physical manifestations of, of materials, um, of energy, of things that we actually use and need that grow our economy, um, that we need to focus on on those. Because if we just focus on trying to time the Fed, trying to figure out what the Fed's going to do, trying to figure out if they're confident, which they're not, it, it's, just, it's just not, it's a very weak position. So we need to pivot. What did these guys do to completely screw up the most powerful bank ever in world history? What did, what did these cartoons do to screw it up? Well, they, they went on, you know, this goes back to the financial crisis of 2008 in different ways, but they basically decided that they could create money, uh, print money out of nowhere um, to, to basically improve whatever it was they thought was a problem, and that includes the record debt that has only increased. Like, when, we, when I say record debt, right, we know that this debt has only been going higher and higher and higher. So it's always at a new record. I mean, it's not, it's not going in the other direction. But what they did was they printed more and more money, which inflated um, this this ability for the government then to create more debt. Because why? Fed's printing money. Fed's going to buy the debt. So the government's going to create more debt. So they don't have to take the responsibility of actually dealing with the real economy. They can just kind of keep pushing and pushing and pushing it into the future and put that debt on future generations and kind of, you know, sort of fog over this idea that we actually can control our own, you know, touches into the economy by buying real estate, by buying hard assets, by actually using um, debt to our advantage rather than what the government does, which is kind of use it to just um, fog over again. That's lack of policy. So, so in permanent distortion, you're saying that there is absolutely no relationship between the financial markets and the real economy. That's right, because the, the real economy, as defined by by tangible assets, by by physical things, that that what the markets do is they suck in cheap money 
and then they trade off when that money gets a little bit more expensive, and then they suck it in again. There are trading strategies to be had on that, but the reality is that does not connect into the real economy, which are real companies, real homes, real, you know, whether it's commercial real estate or what have you, that actually are part of improving um, where we're at from, from a physical, tangible, you can use it perspective. And, and that's where that disconnect is between like physical things. For years, you know, we had Rich been saying buy gold, silver, we have cattle, we have hot, we have oil. I don't have oil. I don't have oil stocks. I have oil. Right. And things like that. But things that the Fed cannot print. That's been our yes. philosophy. Yes. Unprintable and unprogrammable assets. No digital dollar. No, you know, money printing into nowhere, but absolutely physical, tangible assets that you can touch, you can feel, you can use. That, that, that's where we need to be. You know, guys, I'm asking this question because Jim Records, you know, is a good friend of ours, and he's always talking about Executive Order 14067, which is the Fed coin coming out. And he says, we're going to lose our freedom and all this. And for you, from your lofty perch on this whole system, what would happen if a Fed, you know, basically a Fed Bitcoin comes out? So I, I think it's a, a it's a horrendous idea. And, and when I was talking about, you know, visiting all these feds, the last fed um, that I actually visited was in Minneapolis. And actually the guy who runs that fed, Neil Kashgari, who used to be at Goldman Sachs um, when I was there, we overlapped a teeny bit. But, but he basically is the only fed leader who's like, we don't need a CBDC. We don't need a fed coin. We don't need um, wow. any of that. But, but, but he's being ignored, right, by the rest of the fed. And my, my, my feeling on all of this is that, any programmable currency, which a Fed coin would be, right? It, it is basically a nugget of information that travels with you everywhere once you use it. So once it exists, any transaction that you use, any tra anything that you do between individuals, uh, companies, investments, whatever it is, it continues to track. Not that isolated one time. You get an accumulation of, of, of a block of data, right? It's going to use that technology of blockchain following you everywhere, which means that your privacy on all of your financial transactions, not just one of them, right, but all of them forever um, are completely visible. And the Fed's going to, the Fed said, actually, oh, no, we, 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 we care about privacy. It's, it, it's, if that happens, you know, no big deal. But, but it, no one believes that. No one trusts that. I don't trust that. I don't trust that um, it's, all of the information is, is, is there and it's accumulating every second of every bit of our financial lives that it can't be utilized. Um, just like the Fed can create money, the Fed can take away money. But once it's connected to our bank accounts through a digital coin, through a central bank digital coin, a CBDC version of the dollar, um, then all of that barrier that we even built up um, between our money and the Federal Reserve and therefore the government is is, is basically gone. But, but no, I mean, we're talking about earlier before we got on. The real problem is the accumulation of national debt. I mean, in my opinion, we're one of the biggest debtor nations in world history. You know, they just removed the debt ceiling when went unlimited. We have QE, unlimited. So yep. the real problem is our national debt. We spend more than we make. You know, I mean, that's simply in simple terms. Would a Fed coin solve that problem? No, it would make the problem worse. Um, and, and the reason it would make the problem worse is because it's easy enough for the Fed to print money, as they've shown us in the spike, you know, printing money 2008, the pandemic, whenever they actually feel like it. If there's another crisis, they're going to do it again. They printed money when, when um, Silicon Valley Bank failed, um, and, and they didn't even talk about it. They just they just bought, did more QA in their books and said, no, we, we, we're not really doing this. But they were, right? They can do it whenever. And so once they have a CBDC, they've got two birds in a hand, which is that they're also uh, able to print money more quickly and diffuse it 
kind of across the entire financial system instantaneously while at the same time sucking up information about us back. So, so it doesn't, which none, none of which, zero of which helps with the national debt, zero of which helps our economy actually grow. And that gets back to what we were saying in the beginning. None of this is, is net positive um, for our, our strength from an economic perspective so, as a country. So what I've, what I've heard, Nomi, is when, when the currency crisis hits, when things are really, really bad, the Fed's going to come out and say, hey, we got the magic answer. We got the magic pill. It's called CBDC. It's easy. It's convenient. It's simple. It's going to solve all the problems. And people are going to go, oh, great, let's go do that. And then what you're saying, though, the CBDC, the real the real thing behind CBDC is control. Well, control and fringing. It's, it's like the worst of two possible worlds put into one. Um, I'm not going to even call it a currency. It's one, one technology, right? I mean, this is like 1984 meets, uh, you know, QE on steroids or whatever. And sort of, yeah, one pill and one sort of um, ability for effectively money to be created out of nowhere. Um, whether we have too high debt, whether we have a crisis, whether a bank falls apart, whether whatever, um, as well as, and now that we've done that, we can also track back what you're doing with that money that we've just created, right? So it's, it's just a, a more insidious way of printing money, actually. Um, and, and again, does not, does not get to the core of producing growth for our real economy. I guess that's all the subject, printing growth, you know, promoting growth. Right. But the thing is, for Kim and I, ever since we've been together all, I said, I want, I just want to get off the dollar standard. So that's why we own silver, we own gold, we own cattle, we own oil. And we do everything that the Fed cannot print. Is that what you're recommending for people listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show now? Absolutely. Unprintable. And again, because we talked about the CDC, unprogrammable. We do not want the Fed to be technologically in touch with us um, through a CBDC or digital dollars. So yes, gold, yes, silver, yes, copper, um, yes, uranium and, and nuclear energy. Yes, oil, yes, natural gas and, and, and natural gas power plants that are actually producing um, energy for us as well as um, exporting that to other countries. So we make money as a country to do that. And that's going to be more and more of a thing. Um, real estate, of course, all of those things, yes, that you cannot program and that are physical that you can use. Yeah, I just I wanted to say on the green on the green piece. I just heard a, a, a information. It was like it was like if the state of New York who was saying you know all cars must be electric by such and such year, for that to happen, it would take a thousand years to produce the amount of lithium batteries necessary to put that into legislation or to put that into action. So right. Robert and I were talking about they're passing all this legislation that just cannot happen. It, it's never going to come to fruition. It's impossible. Right. Um, it's it's um, and this is this is a, a, a very big sort of topic. I'm I'm getting more and more involved in um, battery minerals, technology, and so forth. Because it's not just about the EVs, which yes, there there's a lot of high hopes there, which need actual materials to make happen. Um, it's also commercial um, electrification. It's also everything that's being converted. And uh, and this is one of the reasons why our, our electric grids have been so um, yeah, stretched to the limit. This is why California basically took people off the grid, um, even though we're, yeah, I'm in California. We're sort of the biggest green state. Like, all, yeah, go green, go green. But by the way, don't plug in all over the place because we then will have blackouts like in somewhere else. So there's a big problem on our existing grid. It needs to be uh, fixed. And we need to have energy, whether it's for EVs or, or whatever, just, just generally moving forward. Um, in, in terms of demands um, on, on our grid for, electric, uh, for electrification, we need better battery to, uh, storage, we need battery tech. We need those natural gas plants to, to be uh, more efficient. I visited a lot that are. There's some really sort of good companies doing great technology on that. 
Uh, we, we need uranium. We need nuclear energy. We need we need fusion. We need commercial fusion. I mean, they're all things that um, can help to effectively make electric grids um, more efficient as we're hopefully updating them, which is also taking a long time because you know it just it just takes a lot of time. So solar, wind, all those things um, are useful also. But when they go down, when sun goes out, or when you know the wind is stops, we need we need backup um, power generation. That's where you know things like natural gas come in. So yes, all of it is is about again taking the real economy our, our real demands what we really do uh and using our real sources to, to do that with rather than just sort of making that up well we need to go to break and the purpose of this show with um nomi prince is what can you do as a person listening to this <clears throat> because uh powell's not going to take her call biden is not going to take my call they're not asking us Harris. Vice President Harris doesn't know what her phone is yet. Yellen, I don't know what planet she came off of. But anyway, we're in serious trouble. And the reason I have the Rich Dad Radio Show with Nomi Prince on right now is what can you do when you have a, when you have the Adams family running the show? We'll be right back. Harrisonburg downtown. Harrisonburg downtown. All right. Skip some commercials. Welcome back, Robert Here, second Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere, on Android and YouTube. And then um, the best thing in all of our podcasts are archived at richdadradio.com. The reason we do this is because we're an educational program. We're making no recommendations. We don't recommend you buy Bitcoin or anything like that or gold or silver. We just talk about it. But most importantly, we archive it at richdadradio.com so you can get there with friends, family, and that idiot brother-in-law of, you, of yours who um, thinks they know everything about money or they either work for the government. <laughs> anyway, we do that because we're an educational program and we make no recommendations to buy anything. But please discuss, study, because this is a very important subject. Our subject is money, <clears throat> and our money is being run by a bunch of cartoons in Washington. Anyway, our guest today is Nomi Prince, and her, her book is Collusion. Like I said, I read it in Alaska while chasing brown bears. It was a very interesting book. And um, her latest book is called Permanent Distortion. And I have other words for it. I use it at the start of the show. <laughs> anyway, um, the, and what Nomi is saying, the real problem is really our debt, and we cannot cover it. So we keep our the solution of the Fed is to keep printing it, and they just had the debt ceiling. They just took the ceiling off. They said, we're just going to print forever right now. And I just want to add to yeah, so, so permanent distortion is what do you do about it? You know, Biden is not going to take your call. So what do you and me and mom and pop do? Yeah. So what I love about Nomi, um, Nomi, you're, you're the real deal. You're the expert on central banks and the Fed. But you actually go out. So for collusion, you went around the world and you went to these central banks and you talked to them and you found out what was happening. And now you're just saying recently you went around the U.S. and you went to the, the 12 Fed Bed offices throughout the U.S. and you study and you learn. So you're hands on, and I love that. And I love um, the updates that you give us and the and the insights you give us. So so thank you again for being on the program. Well, thank you guys so much and for what you do and all the uh, information education that you, you give to so many millions of people. Um, it's it's necessary now more than ever. Well, thank you. And this is and this is not just the U.S. Fed. This is global. I mean that uh, Angela Merkel. She's you know, going with ESG, um, Greeny, basically, she's destroying the economy. 
because they're, they're trying to get off of fossil fuels and nuclear and all this stuff. And they're killing these guys. These cartoons are actually killing the economy. Yep. And, and then that causes the Fed to print more money. Because they don't know what they're doing. Like this. But I have a personal question for you. Is that that guy, uh, what's his name, Bernanke? That criminal, I mean, he's the guy that printed all that money after 2008, and they gave him the Nobel Prize. I mean, Switzerland gave him a Nobel Prize. This is more than collusion. This is insanity. That guy, Bernanke, destroyed the world economy. He was bailing out European banks during the 2008. I mean, they were just printing trillions, and he gets a Nobel Prize. What's going on there um, that is just, it was so weird. Um, it, it's like this alternate reality that, that was, and in fact, did. I mean, it's like, you wish you woke up and you're like, wait, that didn't happen. That was like this weird dream I had. And now that that can't happen in real life, but yeah, it did. And it's, um, he, he basically started on this, this, what, well, what's causing the current distortion. He, he started the, the road towards, um, you know, the Fed being able to have, you know, an, an unlimited, you know, as you said, QE, uh, capacity and, and, and going with it, um, our debt has more than doubled um, since he has been in office and actually it's gone up by almost a, you know, a third as much since the pandemic. But but he put these things in place. Like he, he made it okay um, for the Fed and therefore all these other central banks to step over their boundaries. They're not, they're not there to actually help our economy. They just say they are. They should just like kind of stay in the backgrounds, do their numbers, do whatever. But the fact is he made it okay. To print money. That made it okay for governments to borrow as much as they do, and that made it okay for them not to be responsible to the debt that they have. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Nomi. So, uh, I want to go a little bit more complex because you know the Fed better than anything else. I was listening to Jeff Snyder, you know, I mean, he is uh, the Eurodollar universe and all that, and he basically says the Fed doesn't print money anyway. You know, everybody thinks they do. He says, what they print are laundry tokens. <laughs> they, just, they just feed it into the machine, but it doesn't solve the problem. So what does the Fed print? He calls it some kind of note or something. Well, so, I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, and, 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 and to be specific, um, they don't physically take out a printing press and physically make dollars or, or coinage. And you know, coins are made by the Treasury Department and so forth. But we, we say we say print and we accept that word because what they actually do is they, they technologically print money, which is that they basically say, OK, all you banks out there, you big banks that, you know, basically you own part of us anyway. We're all suited in the same club, have been since 1913 when we were created. Um, we're going to basically put money into your account. Right. So it's not like they're physically taking out like a Brinks truck and sort of bringing, you know, multiples of stacks of like cash or gold or whatever into anyone's account. They're just they're just basically saying, you know, click button. OK, bank, you know, JP Morgan, you know, Bank of America, etc. You guys have money. So that's, that's why we say print. It's, it's a technological version. of print. Um, but what they do in that process, which is the important thing to, 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 to know, is that they don't have anything backing that money. It's not like we went out. And I don't know, we, we sold some, some great business or some great building or we did something actual real. So here's a profit. So we're going to split the profit or whatever. It's not that they create this money out of nowhere. And that's why we talk about printing because they have an ability to manifest, create, fabricate, pick your word, money from nothing, money without any backing behind it. Yes, the faith of the, you know, full faith in the credit of the U.S. government. But, I mean, we know and that's called fiat money. And we know that, that that's only as good as, you know, any one moment. And we run on debt. We run on more than debt. 
for every dollar we spend, we take out more than a dollar in debt. Um, for every dollar we grow, we take out more than a dollar in debt. So it's not really coming from a positive place. But they have manifested this idea and this action of creating money from nowhere whenever back to responsibility right if you are not taking responsibility you got you guys are you know Kim cash flow right if you if you don't monitor your own cash flow and running a country or anything um, and you're not actually trying to maximize your cash flow based on the, the the money the debt that you're borrowing then you're not moving forward that's why um, our country isn't moving forward because we are effectively borrowing more than we make and we are not responsive from a government standpoint let me just ask real quick so when the when the when they when they click that button it goes to the banks it doesn't go to the, it doesn't go to the economy it doesn't go to the individuals but now no. they're now they're not even lending money i mean how do you grow if you're not even lending money to this businesses and small businesses and mom and pops nobody's lending money so where does the growth come from well, that's exactly right. And, and therefore, you, you know, you're, you're taking away, you're kind of strangling that ability of, of, of using money or using debt for a positive purpose, right? Because the banks don't have the obligation to do anything, right? They're no. so buy their own debt or buy their asset, buy their own stock or, or trade or, or do whatever. They, they, they literally could lend to nobody if they felt like, right? I mean, they don't because they're trying to do a lot of different businesses at the same time, but they, they have that ability. Like no one's making them do anything. But they get this money and they can do what they want with it. And that's where that, that disconnect, that current distortion happens. So so what can you do about it, right? I mean, this just goes back to un understanding this is a fundamental problem with where we are at today. Um, and it's only gotten worse since the financial crisis of 2008 on steroids since 2020. And it's still bad with how the Fed is running itself and how, in the meantime, our country has printed or borrowed so much debt without things growing. So we, as people who want to be educated, as, as people who want to be responsible to our own personal economies, as people who want to be prosperous, as people who want to be secure, we have to work and invest and buy into things that are real. That includes real estate, that includes gold, that includes silver, that includes copper, that includes uranium, that includes natural gas, that includes the oil, that includes energy sources. We, we have to basically take care of our own economies and invest in our own economies. And I'll just say one other thing, which is, I think, really important. From a community, from a state, from a standpoint, we're not, we, we shouldn't be waiting for it to come down from the federal government. What we should be doing is, is, is strengthening those, those ties between our business partners, between our, our, our local businesses, between ourselves, our entrepreneurial businesses, so that we can at least work with each other and, and, and make money and profit and prosper and be stable and not wait for it to come sort of down from on high. So, so I mean, how long does the dollar have? I mean, you know, some people say it's going on forever. I mean, how long can they keep, you know, running up a debt and then printing more money to cover it? I mean, in your opinion, and I'm not going to hold you to this, but how much time have we got? How long can they keep this stuff up? Because you know, the BRICS nation is already coming on. China, China is coming, you know, BRICS is broken. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, Saudi Arabia, now Japan may join them. 33 uh, nations have applied them. to join. How much time does the U.S. dollar have, in opinion, to keep this charade up? Well, you know, the fact that we, we have been able to just 
print so much and borrow so much in such a short period of time. This is this is sort of third world activity that the United States has done, and, and with all of that, the dollar has remained you know predominantly strong. It's lost a little bit to some of those consortiums. It's lost a little bit, um, of course, to what China's doing, what the BRICS are doing, what is, as, as Kim mentioned, the thirty-three nations are doing. Um, there has been a, a sort of a, a plan to get away from the dollar of many of these nations since the crisis of 2008, since the financial crisis. And what's happened is it's unfolded but very, very slowly. So every time there's like another crisis, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a war, whether it's an energy crisis, they, they sort of get stronger about the idea of working together outside the dollar. That is the goal. It does take a long time, though. So, so, so realistically, um, the dollar is weakening a little bit now since the pause in rate hikes, but... Um, it's going to take a while before anything can supplement the dollar because we're not just talking about printing money, right? There's all sorts of other sort of military and, and longevity and all sorts of other sort of strengths um, that sort of one part of the world has relative to the other part. And then you've got all these countries in the middle trying to pick sides like Japan. Um, and so this is going to take a while. So dollar's not going away, but it doesn't have to go away for us to look at signs of, of how it's weakening and what to do in the face of that weakening, um, like buying real assets, like buying gold, like basically looking at what other central banks are doing outside of the United States, which is the same thing, um, in order to sort of combat the, the just general weakness of the dollar. What do, what do some, what do you say to somebody, like, I, I watch CNB, CNBS, I call it, you know, and I always say, don't fight the Fed. When you hear that, what goes on inside of you? Because you know more about the Fed than most people. Well, I, when, I, when I hear don't fight the Fed, what I think of is watch what they do, not what they say, right? So I automatically put up a buffer in terms of all the noise and the conversations of Powell being on you know, multiple sides of any conversation he's been having about race recently. And I look at, like, what, what's actually happening. Where are we pricing money? What can we do with that money, right? I mean, that, 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 that's really what it means. So you're not necessarily not fighting the Fed or fighting with Fed, but you're looking at the cost of money. You're making your own decisions as to how that can work for you, right? If rates are 5% right now, how can that how can that work for me if rates have been at you know went up to seven or, or down to three how can that work for me so that that is what i look at um the actual numbers the actual how can i make my money whether i have it or whether i borrow and use it for something else work for me right and so well, when you hear the words forward guidance what does that mean to you that's what they always with is forward guidance they have no idea what they're going to do Look, Powell said last year, we're going to fight inflation until it's below 2%, no matter what, no, how, no matter how hard the pay, no matter, no matter, no matter. And you know what? Inflation is still at 4.5%. It can go up at any moment higher if we have a gas shortage or you know, food supply shortage or something. But, it, but whatever happens, um, it's not where he said it was going to be for them not fighting it, for them to stop raising rates, right? I mean, he's backed off. So, I mean, you just can't listen or look at their forward guidance. Again, you have to look at what does the money cost now? And what can I do with it? And, and what what do you what and what do you what do you see for you know we have this banking crisis and it doesn't seem like this banking crisis just all of a sudden disappears and goes away. Not. I mean, what what do you see? How does that unfold? Well, there is a lot of embedded losses in a lot of regional banks and a lot of banks that were involved in commercial lending throughout the United States. I mean, it's really only the very big banks that are insulated from a lot of problems because they have the Fed supporting them and printing money if they need it. Um, again, the Fed put forth a 722-bank list um, of problem banks. That is, that is a lot of banks. And, and what that means is as they raise rates so high, um, the value of the debt, the value of the treasury bonds of these banks from holding went down. And that's just the math of it. And, and so, therefore, they're holding sort of, you know, these treasuries that are getting weaker and weaker and, and valued less and less while people are taking money out of 
their accounts and out of their deposits. And you can't you can't have money running out from both sides that way. This is why our banks are, are many of them are weak. It doesn't go away just because Janet Yellen or, or Jerome Powell says that our banking system is safe and resilient. They said that after the first bank failed and then another couple of banks failed. And just because rates are paused does not mean they're not still sitting on losses. Right. I still got to go back to what uh, Jeff Snyder, I love his commentary. He's a dollar from university. He says, all the Fed does is print laundry tokens, you know, and they pump it into the economy. But he also said that what forward guidance means to him is they want to soothe the panic in the people out there. So he's basically, Jeff didn't say this directly, but basically they're lying to people. Yeah. Just to keep them from running and, you know, going to the banks and yanking their money out as fast as possible. So he says basically the Fed is lying. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say that, but that's my interpretation of what Jeff said. So they goes forward guidance to keep us emotionally calm and stable and don't fight the Fed. The Fed's got your back and they're fucking us left and right. That's how they're going to get their CBDC money in yeah. there, their digital currency. They're going to lie, lie, lie. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the funds that were taken over the Fed, you know, became Fed accounts. So, so in those failed banks, what, what's happened is um, in some of those banks, the money that didn't get um, back to the depositors in those banks or that didn't get moved to acquiring banks like J.P. Morgan when they bought First Republic, um, they've gone into these things called Fed accounts. And what that means is the Fed's kind of like using them as incubators, like kind of, kind of guinea pigs to, to, to figure out, you know, how they can sort of maneuver the information around those accounts and just, just sort of touch you around. Um, and, and, and getting sort of infiltrated there. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that's already in play on its way uh, to a digital dollar or a CBDC. And the Fed's going to keep saying, you know, your point, Ron, yes, they're trying to placate by saying, we've got this, we'll fight inflation, you know, it'll be fine. Well, they're, they're also saying on their own website, oh, we're not going to have a CBDC. Oh, no, we're, we're thinking about it. We're not going to have it. Well, why would you create the payment systems to enable that to occur if you're not, like, actually planning on doing it? It isn't, there a thing called, isn't there a thing called Fed Now that they've launched? Exactly. Um, and that's on change. What, what is that? So Fed Now, uh, which which think about just those two. Like, think about the power that you want to get the Fed Now, right? Um, that is a system that's, that, that's been under the works for, for years. It's going to be launched on July 31st. There are a plenitude of banks um, as well as corporations like Starbucks, Visa, MasterCard, who have been involved in this sort of test uh, sort of phases of, 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 of this mechanism that they call a payment system and what they're saying is oh this is just a thing that's going to make it faster for you to get your money oh, faster easier convenient like, this is all, yeah. it's all for your own but once it launches right it's like the first step towards uh, and they say just on their website no it's not that but it is it is a step towards the digital dollars, a step to CBDC. There's no reason to have it. Um, there's no reason to have that connectivity between the Fed and banks and companies and your money if you're not trying to move a further step from that once it's all working. There just is no reason. It's not just, oh, it's faster. Yeah. We're, we're fine. We know how to use Venmo and Cash App. We can do things quickly if we feel like it, right? I mean, this is something where it is a, it's a necessary step. Um, from a systems perspective, in order to be able to launch a digital dollar. So this is my final, 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 final comment. There's a guy, G. Edward Graffin, you know, he wrote the book, yes. from Jekyll Island. They put a documentary out on him finally because he's doing such great work. Yes. But, and I've studied with Edward Griffin several times when I went to Jekyll Island with him, where the Fed was created. 
Well, from what I understand, the Fed is only the Fed. East Coast tobacco and vape may close within. By the commercial banks, it's like um, you know, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan. They really control the Fed. And what Edward Griffin was saying, he says his first chapter, I think, in the Creative Allowance, the name of the game is bailout. So the big commercial banks, which is Jamie Dimon and those guys, when they get in trouble. What they do is they pass the losses on to the Fed, and the taxpayer pays back the commercial banks. How does that resonate to you? Because that, to me, is horrifying. I can't. It's basically fascism. It's um, it's a peg later on an economy. It, it, what will happen? You know, so, so the Fed was created basically to save the banks. It was not created to save us. It was passed in Congress as a way again, a big lie. It was, it was no, passed no, no. a lie. Thank you for saying that. Just the Fed was created to save the banks, and the banks trade the Fed. You go, go, that's that's really what I want people to hear. The Fed is not our friend. No, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Not unless you consider Jamie Dimon your friend. In which case, <laughs> <laughs> you never takes me down. Um, they're not. They, they, they never were created for that. Right. If Jamie Dino yeah. wants to talk to Jerome Powell, he'll pick. He'll, he'll pick up his call, Robert. I don't know if he'll pick up yours. He should, but I don't know that he will. <laughs> yeah. uh, he'll pick up Jamie Dimon's call all day long. Nomi, I applaud your courage, tenacity, and your willingness to look way down inside the weeds. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck on your book, Permanent <laughs> Distortion. Like I said, collusion opened my eyes to what really is going on. Same as creature from Jekyll Island did. The Fed is not our friend. Final words, Kim. Well, I like I like what you said, Nomi. That uh, you know we can't we can't we we're not going to change the government. We're not going to change the Fed, but we can take control of our own personal economy, and that's what people need to do today. And that's why it's so important that people listen to you. That's why we have the Rich Dad Radio Show is because you can take charge of your own personal economy and forget about what the Fed and the governments are doing. Because right. as you said, they're not our friend. Right. Nomi, thank you for being a friend of ours for years and years and years. Keep up the good work, and you do a tremendous service. And we'll get your word out throughout the world. So thank you, Nomi. Thank Prince. you, Nomi. Thank you guys so much. And we'll be right back with final words from Rich Dad Radio Show. Thank you, Nomi. Bye. Friendly City Fortune. Or five years ago, it's fantastic work, eye-opening of how uh, the Fed is not your friend. And our latest book is called Permanent Distortion, How Financial Markets Abandoned the Real Economy Forever. The most important pro part of this program was what can you do? Because, you know, with all <clears throat> like CNBS, CNBC talks about, oh, don't fight the Fed. The Fed's your friend and all this. The Fed is not your friend. Always remember that. They're here to protect the bigger bankers like Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and guys like Jamie Dimon. <clears throat> they really run the whole show. They, um... What they do is they take the profits and any losses, the taxpayers pay for it. That's the system. Anyway, any comments or Kim? No, this was a fantastic show. And, and, you know, one of the things that we talked with Nomi about was when Jerome Powell gave his talk or his presentation. And what she said is he was just so all over the place that there was, like, no confidence because it's clear that the Fed does not know what they're doing. But... But the bigger issue is there's no confidence. Well, what, and when what, we lose confidence in our governments and our Fed and all of that, then that 
leads to bigger problems. So I do like what she said about you can handle your you can handle your own personal economy. And that's what you got to forget about the Fed. Yeah, and the reason he was having these all over the place is that when I was a kid, he used to lie. I had to make it up as I went. So that's he was lying. As <laughs> he was going. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he was, but I don't think they don't know what they're doing. Well, they, I mean, you said it. They're all PhDs. Yeah. They're no. They don't have real world experience. <laughs> They don't understand the economy. I mean, you and I, I, I can figure out what, a, what raising rates are going to do, and they can't figure that out. I mean, it's kind of scary. Well, because they're, they're not on our side. No, they're not on our side. They're on you the see, what, side. What they do is they take the profits, and they, they pass the losses on to the taxpayer. Yeah. That's the system. Do you remember when we were driving up to Portland before we, you know, as we were moving to Portland, and Kim and I had a California car. It was a Cadillac. And went up into the mountains, and we had no snow tires on. And I still remember coming down the mountain, and that old caddy was going left <laughs> and right, and we had no traction. And we're swinging the wheel left and swinging the wheel right, trying not to crash it. Well, that's a good analogy. That's, that's them. Right now, <laughs> they're sliding down the mountain. They, they don't have snow tires no. on. They're out of control. And he stands all lying. Everything's gonna be fine. Yeah, it's all yeah. fine. Don't and, and worry. That's what, and that's what Jeff Snyder says. You know, he says their job is to lie to us. Now he doesn't. Jeff doesn't use that word. It's just to keep our emotions calm because they don't know what they're doing, and they don't print dollars because that's a lie too. He says they print laundry tokens just to keep feeding the feeding the washing machine. <laughs> that's all they do. So Santa's, you know, we at Rich Side like to keep things simple down to what I call the real the real people level. Otherwise. You go high into the wild blue yonder. We we, we we actually think the Fed knows something. So Sandra, any comments? Anything for you? And Sandra, you're new a new face here, and Sandra's new to our company, and she's helping with the Rich Dad Radio Show, and uh, really happy to have her on board. Thanks, Kim. So I thought this was really eye opening because my takeaway from this is, you know, uh, I think as as an average person, right? Like I just want to make sure that I'm doing okay, my family is doing okay. What can I take away from this? So. I, I heard loud and clear, focus on tangible assets. You know? I think they cannot print. Right, so like real estate, like like we've heard from Robert, gold, silver, that kind of thing. Yeah, this is a silver coin here. Right. Everybody can afford that, 25 bucks. Exactly, so that's what I'm going to be focusing on. Thank you, right? thank you, thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Hello, Palkin, thanks, Norma. There's a movie out, or a documentary, it's called The Great Awakening. Let me say it again, The Great Awakening. And it's kind of about my friend G. Edward Griffin, the guy who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island. The, book, the movie is called The Great Awakening. It features, you know, it starts off, it doesn't start off with G. Edward Griffin. It starts with a guy named Fauci. Oh. Fascist Fauci. And how Fauci, everything Fauci touches, people die. So The Great Awakening starts with Fauci promoting AZT which killed thousands and thousands of people. And when the pandemic came up, again, there was Fauci. Get your, get your uh, what do you call it, pandemic. What's that stuff called? COVID shot. So the movie is called The Great Awakening, the, the documentary. Please find it on YouTube. It's free. It's worth watching. But it's how our whole government right now is rigged against us. And it starts in medicine, health, wealth, and all this stuff. So we're in very serious trouble. They're not our friends, you know, in this time that we figure out what we can do versus depend upon the Fed and the government.
government and welfare. America has become one of the biggest welfare nations also in the world. So many people are entitled. In San Francisco, they're going to pay what every black person, like two million bucks because they're black. You know, they weren't even slaves. And the guys that are paying them weren't slave owners. But it's called the, I think, a reparations program. And just to cover my ass is the Japanese also were interned during World War II. My, my relatives lose their farms and all this. We didn't get our money back. We didn't ask for it. We just went off and fought in World War II. The Japanese, when we were interned by the white guys in California, they formed the 442nd Infantry Battalion. It became the most highly decorated infantry, U.S. infantry battalion in history. We prove our loyalty to America. And it makes me sick that uh, I'm not against blacks. I'm not, not, not for racism, but to say you're entitled. You know, millions of blacks are moving to America because they want to get here. And the blacks that live here say we're entitled to more money. That's something really sick in our society. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's probably the Rich Dad Radio Show. And, uh, we do our best to find out what's really happening out there. And most important lesson is think for yourself. Final words, Kim? I, I like that, think for yourself, because yeah. people are following advice that is just not, they're following lies, basically. And I like, one of the reasons I like Nomi, she's out there, she's talking to the central banks, she's talking to the Fed, she's talking to all the offices, she's learning, she's on the, she's got her feet in the fire. And that's what we want. We want to hear from people that are really doing the real thing, yeah, not just that. talking. And also what's going on as we speak is Ann Atkinson, who took us into Arizona State University. And I, I did a talk, we talk on health, wealth, and happiness. At Very, controversial. Very controversial. And the 37 <laughs> of these woke professors came after us. And one of the questions they asked me, what's it like to think like, I'm a Japanese guy, you know. What's it like to think like a KKK? Well, how can you oh share the values of the KKK? Oh I asked the guys, and how? I don't even know what the values of the KKK are. You know, how would I know? But the hate in America from academics is systemically woke academicism. That's wiping us out here. So I'm very concerned about education, and that's why the Rich Dad Company was founded years ago, because the way we fight you know, woke Marxism is with financial education. And that's how we fight back, is we fight back with financial education and not lies and emotions and half-truths. Oh, the last thing I'll say to this is Ann Atkinson, who is right now in Arizona Republic, they're calling her to find out her because they came after us at Gamish Theater. She wrote an op-ed the Wall Street Journal published with Ann's Fighting Back. She went to the dean's office at Arizona State University. And what book does he have showcased? I'm actually showcased is witchcraft and the occult. That's what the, the head guy at Arizona State has. I have the picture of the book. And our, our educational system has gone woke. I hate to say that. So let's fight back with real financial education. Again, thank you to Nomi Prince. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for watching. All right. <clears throat> that was Judy. awesome. So this is this is one of the issues that I have, Jenny, with a lot of people. Um, how they're so anti-capitalism. And just at the end there, what he was saying, first of all, he called out Fauci, the COVID vaccine. Um, he called out reparations. Um, he called out so many different things there, basically like things like 
um, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff like that. And <clears throat> what a lot of people don't really, because so many people are pro, pro talking about socialism, right? Especially people like, I, I, I don't subscribe to anything. I don't consider myself left or right. Um, but I said this before in another room, and I'm actually going to be focusing a lot more on on this this subject here. But like I've I didn't vote for Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even in the country when Donald Trump got elected. I had a dream that he got elected like a few hours before he did, and then went and sat on my dad's couch and watched him win the presidential election. And then I moved out of the country and I was out of the country until 2000 and September 4th of 2021, just before Biden got elected. Um, so, and I mean, I mean, after Biden was elected for a year. Um, and I actually have been studying Robert Kiyosaki for years. Right after I got out of high school, I read his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And a lot of people feel like he's just like this rah, 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 all about money, 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 and everything like that. And don't realize that the main thing, like in this book, The Capitalist Manifesto, uh, a lot of stuff that he was saying there is basically that um, the, one, the, the Capitalist Manifesto is basically this. The best way to counter communism taught in our schools is to teach capitalism in our homes. And... I had I actually read he wrote two books with Donald Trump. Um, I don't know if you know that. I did not. Yeah, he actually he wrote published two books with Donald Trump. One of them's called um, "Why um, Why You Should Want to Be Rich" or something like that, and the other one's called "The Midas Touch." Let me see if I can find it here. Um, oh yeah, why? What's this called? Yeah, what? Yeah, why you? Why? Oh, why we want you to be rich? Yeah, it's called Why We Want You to Be Rich, and the Midas Touch. So he wrote those two books with Donald Trump. They're they're friends. They actually met in a green room um, for some show that they were doing. I forget what it was, like maybe a CNN show. Um, but you know, and he's he kind of he Robert Kiyosaki, I think, went about things in the right way when he wrote the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then he slowly gave people. You've seen or heard of Robert Kiyosaki, I think, went about things in the right way when he wrote the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then he slowly gave people you've seen or heard of that movie, The Secret, right? I have heard of it, but I've never watched it. Well, basically, the movie just talks about, you know, thoughts become things we become what we think about. And the main focus is getting material stuff like getting money and being all that stuff, although they don't give anything what most people would call practical, it would probably fall in the category of like meditation, prayer and visualization and stuff like that. But it's really a lot of those books like that are a f sort of like a way to entice people into getting a higher spirituality, you know, to start thinking more about the, how, what's on visualization and stuff like that. But it's really a lot of those books like that are a f sort of like a way to entice people into getting a higher spirituality. You know, to start thinking more about the how what's on the inside of them that can help the inside of them that can help create things on the outside. Whereas Robert Kiyosaki put the money out there, pulled people in, um, built his business, and then now he's coming out um, and being a lot more like it. it basically, I think I feel like a lot of people were blindsided 
as you heard, like at the end, how he was talking about Fauci and, you know, a lot of controversial stuff. He said, what, what do you have any thoughts on that? I've watched the documentary, The Great Awakening. I've actually seen it twice and I highly okay. recommend that. It was really good. Okay. And all I can say is that when I lost my freedom at the age of 21, and I think anytime you're under a lockdown situation, and I was for six weeks, um, it becomes the most precious thing because you realize, you know, what a gift it is just to be able to call your own day and make choices about what you're going to eat and where you're going to go and who you're going to interact with. And so I feel like that was a gift for me because after that, I became very serious about understanding freedom and economics. And if you want the creme de la creme book on economics, you probably already know this, but it's Thomas Sowell, anything written by Thomas Sowell. He's just the best. Actually, I I don't. I mean, how do you you pronounce his last name? Sowell, S-O-W-E-L-L. Oh, he actually mentions that guy. He's the best. I I think he knows him. He, I think he's on one of his guests oh, on the show. He is. Thomas Sowell is just one of the most amazing thinkers in the world. And the first time I checked one of his books out of the library, I start reading it and I had to get out a dictionary because there were so many words in there that I'd never heard of. And I, it was very slow going. And I gave up after a couple of chapters because it was so yeah. tedious. I did not speak right. economics 101. You know, I was right. just a novice. But I've read a lot of books, and I'm blessed to be married to a man who's a free market capitalist. And so together, Mm -hmm. my husband and I have read all these books together and have had amazing conversations over the years about them. And Hakeem, where we have put our money, especially the last few years, is in food. Okay. I'm glad that you said that because of all the things that he was talking about. Jenny, I'm, I, I shit you not. I was thinking he needs to mention food. I was going to say because of, because, you know, he kept on pushing her. He's like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. He's like, but what do we do? Right. And, you know, both of them even said, you know, you know, invest in commodities. He said that he, he buys gold and silver um, and stuff like that. And I actually, I do too. Um, this is how much I like think about, um, money, like I'm so much into the fact that money is fake. Maybe a lot of people don't do this, but, um, my, my bookmarks, right. For my book are hundred dollar bills. I love it <laughs> because it's, it's just, cash. it's fake, right? <laughs> yeah. It, the, it's, it's fake. It doesn't have anything. So what I actually do, and I have a whole vault full of these things, but I buy and I keep one in my pocket all the time. Um, but I buy gold and silver. And I think that's great. I'm not knocking that, but you can't eat it. Right. So that's what I was going to say too, about that. Like to me, more important than anything else. And I was bringing this up on one of the talks on here on Colin is, um, is food. And when he was like, what do you do? What do you do? And I was thinking that people should be encouraged to grow food, to grow it. And then that's actually one of the ways to, if once you grow it, package it up 
And one of the things you can do is start giving it. If you if there's homeless people, give them that to eat. The things that you grow directly. I feel like if we keep growing things from the ground, stay with me for a second. If we keep growing things from the ground that are edible and we keep on growing it and giving it to people that need it and then teaching them how to grow if they can, because, you know, not everybody, some, some, some homeless people, not all of them, you know, some of them may be mentally ill or physically handicapped or something like that. But the ones who can learn, teach them to do that. Some people, if you can trust them to bring them to your garden or then set up a community garden. But that right there is the key is teaching people how to grow, how to save seeds, how to how to be able to replant and how to continue to use the soil. Because people say that money doesn't grow on trees, but that's actually the money that there is. That's the only real thing that there is, is life. If you can grow life, fruits, vegetables, nuts, um, even livestock, if you can get to that point, that's the real money right there. If we can keep out ourselves growing that stuff out of the ground, we can actually... We can actually eliminate the debt and the deficit and all that stuff like that by actually producing That's things, right. like physical I mean, things. It used to be said about the American farmer, and I'm talking like pre-colonial days, that he could grow everything he needed on his own farm, and he had one cash cost per year, and that was to pay the midwife to come deliver the baby. But other yeah. than that, totally self-reliant and... If he wanted to focus on one thing like blacksmithing or being a cooper or whatever, he could he could barter yeah. and trade for everything he needed. And that was how yeah. they lived for hundreds of years. And I'll tell you, Hakeem, when everything goes to hell, and I think it's going to, you know, and the dollar is just, you, it's, you know, it's like the Weimar Republic. It's worth nothing. Oh, yeah, that's. Oh my gosh. See, you're so on top of this. I see us bartering. Like, I honestly see us bartering and trading. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I was, I've been on a couple of your shows the past couple of days, um, just listening. And, um, I, I just thought to myself, okay, I, I like the, the style of your show. Cause it's cool. I've been hanging out in rooms and everything like that, but I do that every once in a while while I'm, just mulling things over in my mind. And now it's time for me to more start doing like this, where I play these recordings because not everybody's going to go there and listen to it. No, if, and so if, if I can you tell people here yeah. on Colin, you're a free market capitalist. It's like announcing you're Satan. Oh, they've already told me that. Um, they've already told me that like they, in, 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 you know, different words, and they keep trying to convince me not to be and like I shouldn't go down that road and da 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 da. But I just know better. Yeah. Like I know better because that's how I've been operating for a long time. Like that's the one thing that actually has helped me to do to get anything done. It's the one thing that's helped that like the reason why people come to me and they ask me for help is because I am creating the resources. I'm doing the work. And so if if I wasn't so capitalistic, then I wouldn't have the resources to be able to give yeah. them because I'm producing. I'm a you producer. You holding your hand out, going, "Gimme, gimme, gimme." You know, it's really it's really yeah. been good for me to be a part of Colin this past year since all the Marxists showed up, because I never really understood so much of their thinking, and I feel like now I've kind of got a handle on it. And I did raise my kids. We both, we raised our kids to think 
as capitalists. And during their college years, they were seduced into the socialism, the Marxism. It was just like, it was too much. They couldn't quite, you know, settle everything in their hearts. And I'm hoping yeah. now that they're out of school and working their businesses and just kind of moving more into the adult world that they're, you know, letting go of childish things. And they've already, they've already yeah. said enough, you know, and just casual conversation that I know they're waking up fast. But, you know, it, it is really hard to push back against the whole culture when you're a 25-year-old who really doesn't know anything. Yeah. You know, one of the things I keep hearing, and I <clears throat> maybe people don't understand it, but see, I understand the difference between an asset and a liability, right? So I've always liked Robert Kiyosaki's definition, very simple. He, like, he says, keep it super simple, right? Kiss. And it's... A, an asset is anything that puts money into your pocket or re brings resources to you. And a liability is that anything that takes money out of your pocket or removes resources from you. And he talks about, you know, your house is your house is not an asset. Of course, if it's just your residence. And a lot of people found that out with the 2008 uh, bust <laughs> where people locked their including, homes, all these subprime. Including me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that. Um, and also a car depreciates as soon as you drive it off the lot, unless, and, and here's what I've been finding about a lot of these Marxist, socialist, communist-minded people, you'll hear on these shows and stuff that people on call and play and they, they propagate, everybody keeps knocking Uber. I'm, a, I'm an Uber driver and I'm not loyal to them just because I do it, right? I, I do it because I realize it's a way to turn my car into an That's asset. Right. I make, I earn way more money by driving than I do and my car payments, my gas and my insurance combined, like way more, like all that stuff. Let's just say maximum, um, uh, for the car payment and the, 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 uh, insurance is about $520 a month. And I make more than a thousand dollars a week driving Uber. Yeah. No, I, I've so, worked for Uber for three years yeah. as well. I, I think it's one of the most pure free market capitalist companies out there. And Travis Kopernik was an absolute free market capitalist when he started it. And, you know, it's basically the law of the harvest. You more, the more you drive, the more you make. Yeah. I mean, there's other ways in the future <clears throat> with other things that I do that, um, that I'm going to eventually be able to completely step away. Like I've been able to, um, take the cleaning business and hand it over to somebody else so that can get done and delegating. Right. So because if people don't have jobs, like Robert Kiyosaki talks about all the time, the one thing that the government wants to do when, when they're on point, the reason why they give tax incentives are because if you can create housing and you can, um, provide housing and, um, what's the other thing, housing for people, and um, build a business that um, also, um, why, why am I drawing a blank on this right now? But, um, oh, and energy, right? So housing, energy, food, as you, you talked about, if you're a producer and you can create the, oh, and jobs, that's the other thing. So housing, jobs, right? Energy, like he actually talked about in this one too, how he doesn't invest in like futures or ETFs about oil or anything like that. He actually has an oil mine, wow. <laughs> right? So he, 
to, and he for energy. And, um, so, but, but those are the things. And well, when she was talking about, uh, a disruption that could collapse the dollar, the number one thing I think might happen is the strategic oil reserve is empty. Biden sold it to help bring down inflation. So that's empty. If we were to have some sort of a cataclysmic event around just getting oil delivered to our cars, that would shut down America faster than anything else. And I think on, on, yeah. on the other side of that is where you would see a collapse of the dollar. Right. Well, also with BRICS, um, because I forget when it was, but the when Nixon took the, the dollar off the gold standard, which I still really don't have the connect between the silver and gold thing, even though I have a, a vault. Um, I'm more into saving seeds and planting things and um, and. Uh, Oh yeah, and the other thing though was that was the dollar then became the petrodollar, right? So that you could only trade oil most countries using the U.S. dollar. But now, like you said, the strategic reserve is gone, and Biden's been basically threatening Saudi Arabia, which is one of the reasons why they're wanting to go over to BRICS um, and other countries because um, he's like everybody's green, 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 which is great. We want to take care of the environment. One of the things. Robert Kiyosaki also talks about is that he set up a trust so that when him and his wife Kim, when they when they're gone, the trust is going to to donate one hundred million dollars a year to environmental charities for trees, for the water, for animals. Right? Those are the three things that they mentioned, not in this podcast, but um, but yeah, the the that's already becoming a huge problem. Is the oil? Yeah. It can, well. Interestingly enough, today I've been writing a book for the last two years on my Substack called Growing Up Prepper. And because. Yes, I think you sent me some links to something. I probably did. Because Elon opened up X today, you probably saw that. He's. It's it's now. I heard about it. Twitter's no longer Twitter's X, X, right? He wants people writing long form essays, articles, columns, and books on Twitter. So giving a nod to that, I went ahead and cut and pasted my whole book. It's not finished. I've only got four chapters, but I put it on Twitter today. And within an hour or two, I had like 370 views, which is exciting because I'm still bootstrapping my account back from nothing. I had to start over again. It's only been there for a couple months. But, you know, I'm excited to try and make some money on Twitter. And I went ahead and paid yeah. for my blue check mark, and um, I'm tr- I've only got 80 followers. Once I've got 500, I can go ahead and do my podcast there. And I'm planning to just do everything on Twitter from here on out because I really think he's serious about paying us. And he said, especially video content creators, which that's my specialty. He he said, yeah. you'll make more money on Twitter than you would on YouTube. And so I'm very excited about what I can do with my own content because it all revolves around self-reliance and uh, capitalism and healthy families and just taking care of your own. Um, This is my message and it's been my message for a long time. So I'm very excited about it. And um, I'm just so glad I know you and we can talk at this level because, you know, I don't want to come across as condescending or um, a know-it-all. 
about economic issues, but I really have done my homework, you know, and I, yeah. I understand, I think better than they do, um, the, you know, just the flaws in communism. Well, you know, they came at me the other day about being arrogant and things like that. Um, because of the way that I was talking about certain things and I was like, yes, I'm arrogant. The, I, by the Latin definition of the word arrogare, which means to claim for one's own. Like you say, your healthy family, that's you claiming the health and the safety of your family for yourself. That's arrogant. That's the real definition of it. Just like how words like propaganda and manipulate, they're, they're not necessarily bad words. Propaganda means to propagate, to spread far and wide. Um, the, the word manipulate means to handle with skill and care, but people have put these, have demonized these words and that's not what they are. There's more than one take on something. There's two, two sides to every coin and then there's the edge of the coin. And if you can sit at the edge of the coin, you can see both sides. The, you know, I forget who said it, but, you know, it's better for a person to be able to hold two opposing views and still be able to function. Right. You know, right. like you can see them, you can learn about it. That's why I have the, the communist manifesto. And then of course, Robert Kiyosaki's Capitalist Manifesto, why I'm reading also um, Machiavelli, the U.S. Constitution, and I'm doing my deep dive, and I'm going to get through all of this. This is what I've been doing every day. This is why I'm, I quit my job at the at the, the bar, because I don't need the money from there anymore. Plus, it was just taking up too much of my time, and I wasn't you know, getting off at 2 o'clock in the morning when I can be doing my research and study and things like that. Um, but... This is the two sides to every coin, right? So if, if there's a lot of people who don't know that they're communist or socialist or even fascist because they don't, how many people have actually read this, right? The, the communist manifesto. How do you know where you are if you don't even know what it is? There's another really so, good book by Cleon Skousen, and it's called The Naked Communist. And that's the book I used to teach my own kids when they were in high school. And it's written as a high school textbook. So it's very readable. You know, it's not overly technical jargon. And uh, it's a good yeah. one for people who are just getting started with their freedom literature. But I, I'm so glad you're doing this. I, I love the people here on call and even the commies. I really do love them. Yeah. <laughs> you know why I love them so much? I love them because they care. You know, That's they right. care they enough do care. to follow it closely every day. Yeah. They care about the same issues in terms of political power and the, the utter fascism of big pharma and big military. And they want to do something. They want to help people. You know, these are good people here on Colin, and I love them. I don't think they, I don't think yeah. they like me very much. But, you know, I really do love and respect them. And I, I like I said. And you've said that before. I mean, I've heard you say that, I too. Want, because of their passion, because yeah, they care. I yeah. want to understand. I think I've told you, but my son married a girl who's a leftist. And she mm. was a political science major and was, you know, they got married the summer of 2020. So it was everything, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the stuff that went down that summer. Yeah. That's when they got married. We really didn't know much about her before they got married and I was not, I was not yeah. able to go to the wedding. Anyway, you know, she, yeah. she let us know that she had all these really extreme views and I've really taken it as an opportunity to get in the hearts of the people here on Colin, because I want to understand her, you know, 
better. I want to understand her heart. She's pushed me away. So I, I can't right now have a relationship with her, but I want to understand. And it's been so helpful to talk to everybody here, you know, to just really get down to the nitty gritty because I admire her for her passion, her clarity. You know, we just, we agree on the problems. We just don't agree on the solutions. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, therein lies the rub, is the solutions. And I'm still, I have a lot to learn, and um, a lot of stuff has just kind of like really opened up in me even more lately because um, I didn't really understand before, like I actually stopped looking at a lot of Robert Kiyosaki's stuff for a while because it, it got really repetitive about the rich dad, poor dad stuff and the investing in this and that, because I didn't really understand it, but now I got it. Like, I really got it. Like, I understand capitalism and the power of capitalism to be able, well, free market capitalism, to be able to help make positive changes in the world. Yeah, and, and the problem is the kids, especially in the high school and college uh, classrooms, they're being taught that this crisis capitalism and crony capitalism that has just run the country into the ground, that that's free market capitalism. And it's not. And this, again, is why I yeah. love Ayn Rand. There is so much clarity there yeah. on, you know, what is true capitalism. And she, she well, even wrote know, a book with that title, What is Capitalism? It's really good. Right. Um, one of the interesting things, and I, and I keep mentioning him, Robert Kiyosaki, because I'm doing it. He, he helps me to understand things in a much simpler way than a lot of people do. But he had an example in the book about how he went to go see this guru named Guru Deva. And he was wearing, he had a gold earring, he had gold glasses, he had gold bracelets, gold necklaces. And he asked him, he was like, what's up with all the gold? And everybody was asking all these other spiritual questions. And he says, well, gold attracts wealth. And so if you want to get an extra thousand dollars, then get, acquire a thousand dollars of gold. But the point was, and, and, and he's like, why is that? He's like, why does the, you know, gold attract more wealth? And he says, gold are the tears of God. And then he said, and then Robert Kiyosaki asked a question. He's like, I wonder if these are tears of joy or tears of sadness. And he says, most of the gold in the vaults come from tears of sadness, like how with the Jews and all the different wars that were fought and how gold is acquired. He said, but the, the main point is this, the, the difference between good capitalism versus like crony capitalism and things like that is that he says, it's not about how much wealth you have and acquire. It's how you acquire. Yeah. So are, are you causing God to cry his tears of gold for sadness or for joy? And that's been his mission. He's like, you know, he's not religious. He grew up, I think, um, Methodist or something like that. But he's not religious. Um, he says he claims he doesn't take sides like with like, you know, Republican or Democrat. But I, I sense he leans Republican. His dad was Republican. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's that that's the main point. When 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 God cries for you, it, are his tears of gold, tears of sadness or tears of joy? Because how are you acquiring your wealth? And that's his main the main point. That's the main difference in how capitalism is used. Well, and it's funny um, to me that both sides are constantly saying things like, well, that wasn't real communism. If it was real communism, it would absolutely work. And it's the same thing on our side. Yeah. That's not real capitalism. That's just fascism. If we had real capitalism, right. it would work. And it's true that over history, it's very difficult to point to a, a time 
when it was just pure free market capitalism. But I made yeah. claims that the 1900s, you know, the, the century, um, it would be called the 19th century. So it would be like 1801 to like 1895 in America was one of the purest times in terms of just good, solid capitalism. And she said it mm. gave the whole rest of the world this model that they could aspire to and say, look what we can accomplish together, you know, using this system. And, um, and you know, the utter frustration she experienced because she immigrated from Russia after the Russian Revolution and her family's pharmacy business was stolen by the Marxists. And so she came to America mm. as a young woman, very clear about what communism had wrought on her country and her family. And she came here thinking this was the promised land, not really realizing how deeply embedded Marxism already was in America, especially yeah. with the Fed and with all of these 1918 policies that set it. Well, have you what? Have you heard this this quote from uh, Nikita Khrushchev, where he says, "Your children's children will live under communism. You Americans are so gullible. No." You won't accept communism outright, but we will keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you will finally wake up and find you already have communism. We will not have to fight you. We will so weaken your economy until you will fall like overripe fruit into our hands. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> so like you said, it's already here. Like she came here and found out that it's here, right? It's already yeah. here. And it was especially in Hollywood, which when she started her writing career, she went out to California and worked for one of the big picture studios as a writer. And then it was later in her life when she wrote all these amazing books. But um, I'm, I'm just so excited that you're reading these books. It's very, very rare that I cross paths with anyone who's reading these types of books. And it's exciting because I feel so passionate about it. And yet when I try to engage people and talk about these ideas, I get shut down so fast. It's like I, I shouldn't even try, you know, but. um. Well, I would just keep doing it because there's an understanding that, that people don't get yet. And um, I've only got it just because. <clears throat> Just the way that I started operating, I realized, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I did that. Like, I created, like, just by the fact that Uber is what it is, like, my car has become an asset. But there will be, there are critics of it who will say, oh, no, you're just liquidating your car, you know. Um, but it's, I don't, it, it gets kind of complicated. But we'll, we'll keep moving forward. We'll keep trekking forward. Uh, Jenny, I mean, I'm not going to try to force anybody to understand anything, but I'm just going to continue to do as I'm doing. And, you know, what, what, what I find really interesting, though, is that some people who are even here in, in Virginia who talk about socialism, this and that and everything like that, but then they still come to me to help provide for the things <laughs> that they need. And I'm like, I'm the capital, but I'm the capital. That's the irony. It's like, That's all right. the irony. Well, I would be right there with you driving, but um, I drove home a couple of drunk passengers one night and I was gang raped by those guys. And that, I'm what? not kidding. It ended my, it ended my Uber career. I mean, I read one of your blogs about Uber during the strike. Yeah, that's one of the ones you sent me. I read 
you were still driving during the strike, which is really well written. I, I, I um, got some good insight from that piece. That is fucking crazy. Jenny. Well, I've told you how I dissociate, right? Because of my yeah. childhood stuff. I dissociated from that memory for almost a year. And during that year, I kept driving. And, and then it came back to me in pieces and I finally called the police and made a report. But um, throughout that year, I just had increasing feelings of paranoia and people are following me and, oh, I'm scared until I got to the point where I just, I couldn't drive anymore. And then when I remembered, I was like, well, that explains it. That actually happened the week before that strike. And there's a video in that blog post wow. where even when I watch it now, I'm like, something is off as I'm talking. I can see it in my eyes. And that assault happened just the week before. So, um, well, there is the other thing. So food, jobs, housing, energy, and yeah, personal protection. You know, I, I always have some bear, bear mace in my car, bear spray. Yeah. But these guys, I, they had a knife at the back of my neck. I pulled up into the driveway. Yeah. And it was, it's it was difficult. in my purse. And, you know, I, I had to yeah. go into the house with them. They, they, it was no, there was no option to use, use yeah. the mace. But man, nasty, nasty experience. Jenny, you've been through a lot. Um, I'm glad that you're still kicking it and um, fighting the good fight. And um, I know, you know, some people have said this to you before, but um, that they want like, how can I help? How can I help you get this message? How can I help spread this and that? Um, I just think that this was the right time for this to happen for us, to, for me to be playing this. And you happen to be here tonight to hear this, because I think that this is a good connection for us to, to, to move forward with things like this, because now I, I have a deeper insight just from the few things that you said, Jekyll Island, how you know about the Weimar Republic, how you understand more about free market capitalism. Like that's, we can, we can watch each other's backs in these, in these yeah. rooms and, you know, hopefully help pull, pull some of our fellow travelers into the light. You know, they're all kind of lost in the, capitalism is evil and I'm more righteous because I believe in socialism and they love to talk about how Jesus was a socialist and all this crap. And it's like, you know, let's have some real conversations about this stuff. And I, I will, if I, if I hear you going off, I will come back you up in any way I can. Well, same here. Um, I'm a little bit, I tend to be a little bit more passive and sometimes I even run away from fights. Um, <laughs> me, me too. But, uh, <laughs> But, um, but I'm just gonna, I mean, I'm well received by everybody and I do too love them. Like they keep me company and they're very welcoming and stuff like that. So I think that that's more important than anything else is the fact that we're able to still continue to be together as a community, even though we have, um, very different, um, viewpoints. Agreed. I feel like uh, we are a model yeah. for the ideal situation and, Touche. I mean, we definitely have people who have meltdowns and pissing matches and fights and they, they, you know, flounce and they run out of the room, but it's okay. We're talking about the most important topics that you can communicate on. And that is how, how will we live? You know, these wars have been fought over these issues. So I, I think we're, we're creating a wonderful community here 
I just hope I don't get canceled from it because that's the pattern. I get canceled from everything. <laughs> well, Denny, I think that you'll be fine here, especially because um, I'm definitely not going to cancel you. Um, and, you know, we didn't necessarily have like a rough start to our relationship here on Colin, but I was still very angry about my wife's passing. And I was just angry at the whole, I was like, God killed my wife. And I was just really mad. And I was like, screw everything, Christianity and all that stuff like that. And meanwhile, I'm still not religious. And even though my girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend uh, actually ended up having a husband and was lying to me about it all oh the time. Oh my gosh. It was, through, yeah, it was through her that I started saying, okay, you know what? Because she's Muslim. Um, that I started, I got a Quran, I bought us matching Qurans and stuff like that. And I started learning how I, I'm, I'm not religious, but I can appreciate them. Now. I love the Quran. So, there is so much wisdom so, in there. So I have my Bible. I have my Quran. Um, I cross reference stories in there now. Um, and um, I, I can appreciate it. I don't, I, I don't claim any religion but I'm not as antagonistic as I used to be about it. Yeah, well, there's a lot to be antagonistic about. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing this uh, journalism around this Utah case of ritual abuse, and there's a lot of fake fakery going on in my faith. People oh, yeah. pretending to be faithful Mormons, and, and they are just the most evil people on the planet. I'm trying to I'm trying to yeah. help expose that, but um, I probably should go. I've got to get to sleep. But it's right. so good. Well, I appreciate you. So yeah. good talking, and uh, I look forward to more of this type of show. I think it'll be. When's your When's your next show? Um, I don't have one scheduled. I have several people who I've requested to do interviews with that I'm still kind of waiting to hear on. But you know, sometimes somebody will call me and leave. Let's do a show. You know, so it's. Totally yeah. random. I'm actually, I'm actually going to be seeing, um, reaching out to uh, Nomi Prince, who just was we just listened to, and several other of those people that Robert. I'm just basically gonna, uh, um, what do you call it? I'm gonna poach his, um, his, uh, his crew. Well, because they've when you have them on, there. just give me a notification, and I'll I'll come and be in the in the room. That would yeah. be awesome. For, for sure. All right, Jenny, you have a good night. I'm going to go jump in one of these other rooms where they're hanging out with Danny and stuff like that and see what's going on while I drive a little bit. All right. So have a great night. Be well. Sleep Thank well. You. Yep. Talk to you soon. Bye.